Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to be wading into the weeds, um, but before we get too far into that, I think it's uh, important we mention that we are sequestered in our basements and other parts of our houses. Uh, we are completely socially distanced from each other. Uh, we're not even Physical in the same... Physical distance and all that. Yeah. Todd and I, I are can... in the same town, but that's about as close as we got, so... I can, can you get it in the same zip code? Can we do that? I, I think only so. see you on my phone. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. A little bit of change of pace here. Uh, Everybody keeps calling it an interesting time instead of being like, this really sucks. And I always think that's funny. But yeah, my, interesting is right. My, my favorite is the... Uh, yeah, everybody, oh, I just want to Netflix and chill. And now we have no choice but to Netflix and chill. And everybody's like, I want to go outside. I want you to can, live my life. You can go outside. Right. Yeah, you can take your, your state-mandated walks. and uh, It's weird walking by parks and seeing, like, thing, you know, that basically they're closed. I mean, how often is a park closed ever? Yeah, you can walk through the park, but you can't stop. Yeah, can't, can't wait around. I can't believe how much we got Disney Plus and it's like we're already done with it sort of and it's not even the free trial isn't done yet. So you've watched everything. Yeah. It's like yeah, I um, I signed up for CBS All Access because they did a free month. So what do you have access to with the All Access? Is it sweet? Uh, it's CBS, all CBS stuff. And then um, I think there's sports with it too, though. That's kind of. <laughs> Out of the question right now. Yeah, today so Bill Sweet Sixteen today on CBS. All your all your access. Just think of how many games we would have watched by now. Been yeah, like we'd in be... the ninety ninety six games through and uh, before today. And today you'd be watching the Badgers in the Sweet Sixteen, right? Yeah, they're going to win it all. Hopefully. They told us, remember? Yeah, that's right. They figured the, it out. The virtual. Did you see beat... the shirts, Bill and Matt? The that they that somebody at UW made a shirt that they won the national championship, like national Simulated. championship twenty twenty winners, and then on like lo- small print underneath, it was like simulated online via ESPN or something like that. So it was pretty nice. cool. I'd buy one. I'd, I'll put a tape over if, the simulated part. Does that mean uh, Major League Baseball would be doing that too with uh, all their games that they're missing today? Would have been opening day. Today's the day. Kind of disappointing. Charge. Charge. <laughs> Go yeah, that would Brewers. Have been... So the the Bucks is almost even worse of just think what we're missing out there. This was like the only time we've had a real chance of being go you know, going deep in the playoffs. And do you think there's any way they play another game or they just right start into the playoffs or what they do i don't know well even like major league baseball they're they're talking they need a month of like re-do spring training so even if they get started well like they need a month just to get back in game shape get these guys arms and and that so they go into a month of spring training before they'd even start games so even if they started in may or june it's going to be july or august before they start the season that's pretty crazy how many games do you think they play over under? 80, probably under 80. Yeah. I yeah, saw if they thing, start by the, saw a thing by the they normal. Were play 32. 
They start by the normal all-star break timing, then you get the half a season, basically. That's probably doable. I wonder if football, like, how does football just get out of this totally unscathed? You know, they just, they were the top sport before all this, and they are hardly, they weren't affected really at all yet. It's just free agency, and if anything, they're winning this whole thing with all the news of Brady and just every, all the free agency stuff so all we got to look at for sports. So... The big thing will be the draft, you know, because nobody's going to be able to sit in the war room together. And yeah. obviously the big spectacle is done, but the war room, I don't know how they're going to do that. If Goody's going to be in his garage by himself and <laughs> they'll be in a Zoom meeting talking yeah. to each other. Give an extra five minutes per pick so you can can make sure you get through it or something. It'll look like like your draft on Madden. They'll just give each one a controller and they'll sit there and make selections. It'll be weird because it'll just be Roger Goodell up front announcing and stuff. So that'll be weird too. Nobody can be there to boo. You won't get booed this year. Crazy. All the GMs just start booing through their microphones would be amazing. That's crazy. He probably wouldn't even have to leave his office. He'll announce it all from his big, big comfy chair. It'd be like Zabe. Zabe always has him underneath his desk. (laughs) Goodell under his desk, being all scared. But yeah, any other good social distancing stories or just physical distancing or just making sure you're talking to people outside and staying away and all that? Yeah, a lot of of window talk and, uh, you know, restaurants are still open, takeout only, so there's they're looking for as much support as they can get. I know the couple of the local ones are uh, are always advertising new specials. Basically, come in and pick up a couple gallons of soup and take it home. So there's options out there to get out a little bit and still get your takeout fix. I started talking to my neighbor across the road, an older lady, and staying the six feet away from her. Kind of on, she was on her side, but she kept kind of itching towards me and I kept backing up. So by the end of our conversation, we were like up in my driveway because I just, I, yeah, I'd be fine probably if I got it, but I just, yeah, wouldn't want anybody else like that to get it. So just a weird, weird way to be like, yeah, be physical distance away and just try to make sure you're, you're kind of following that as good as you can, but yet still wanting to talk to people and be social. So. Yeah, and hopefully not being a dick about it. Right. My, uh, <clears throat> my wife works at a clinic, and some of her coworkers were uh, basically reassigned into screenings at hospitals, and they had uh, a couple of cases of people that were pissed off about not being able to go in or whatever, and they would cough in your face. Oh. It's just like, come on, people. Just so they could go in? No, just to be dicks, to say, oh, I hope you get the virus nice. since you're not giving me my way, so... Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. A lot of, at there's least there's a lot of good stories to you here so far of people donating stuff and taking care of the neighbors when they can and all that. So there's a lot of good going on too. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, these mask making parties people are having and stuff, I, I think it's good. But I, I did see a thing today that uh, Bell and Health has asked not to receive any more cloth masks as they're still evaluating if that's even sanitary. So. Well, so there was like a, if you know how to sew, people are sewing up masks and stuff. 
Yeah, seen a lot of that right. online and stuff. So, which is a great idea. Just make sure whoever whoever you're making them for can accept them. So, all right, you guys ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. Ready. Had enough <laughs> ready of uh, ever... coronavirus. Just talking. <laughs> it's good Distract to talk ourselves about it, but it's also else. good to not talk about it. So. Let's, uh, yeah, let's go. Be on. nice to get in the field in a couple of weeks, right? We social distance ourselves while we, yeah, scout, when you're out fields out in the field by yourself. That's a good part about on farms, too, is usually you can, you can, most farmers want to maintain that anyway and, and, you know, want to, don't want to talk to you all the time and stuff. So, yeah, it works out good. And when you're in the middle of the field, nobody's going to bother you out there. You can keep your six feet pretty easy. Yep can keep six acres pretty easy yeah <laughs> so all right well today let's talk about economic impacts of weeds so the last couple of weeks we've talked about noxious weeds and different chemical programs take care of that so now what what why are we taking care of the weeds what's what's the big deal here so i, I wanted to start off with this the wssa so the weeds <clears throat> weed science society of america's weed loss committee uh, had a publication and their summary was on an annual basis, potential loss in value for corn is $27 billion and for soybean is $16 billion, based on a study that ran from 2007 to 2013. And so that's no weed control. So basically your overall average percent yield loss with zero weed control in corn is 52% and soybeans is 49.5%. So about 50% yield loss if you didn't do anything about your weeds, which I thought was pretty good reason to do something about them. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty cheap investment to rescue, save, if you will, half your crop, right? 52 and 49%. Yeah. I mean, that's And Bill, big... isn't, isn't that you're saying always, Bill, of why do we kill weeds? I don't know. To, to increase yield, it's not to right. get, you know, it's, there's, it, it's, it's not because we don't want all the weeds there. It's because we know if you have, keep certain weed free periods, you're going to increase yield. Yeah. So, yeah, yep. that's, you just, as you're reading that, Matt, I'm thinking about all those years that we sprayed beans and we didn't spray them till the weeds were knee high or the beans were knee high and the weeds were about the same. You know, can. we wanted a yeah. one patch roundup. Pop can and never was pop can. Yeah. And how much how much do we lose yield by waiting that long just in our conventional programs that were just straight roundup and now we had to go to the pre's because of because of um water hemp. So in indirectly we've helped ourselves by throwing all that pre down early and keeping the field clean right away. Yeah, no, I think that makes a big difference having that that clean field. And if nothing else, you know, last year we, we almost needed something there to, to pull up moisture, but in a, nor, in a typical year, you're, you're going to be having <clears throat> that taking away moisture and nutrient. So it is competition, no matter how you look at it. And the less competition we can have, the more gives that row crop a chance to go. One thing I guys looked at, if you guys look at this summer, is if you get a field that doesn't get sprayed right away and it's got a lot of grass, really heavy grass pressure, look at the size of the corn leaves. They'll be half the size, like wide. They'll be narrower. Sure. Yep. Just, you know, or even our listeners out there and they're walking their cornfields if they have a problem with a field or something like that, that you'll see that 
those weed free fields, those corn leaves are so much bigger and wider, able to take up so much more sunlight and do more photo photosynthesizing if I can get it out there. Um, than a than a field that's being competed with anything else. It's pretty big. I think yeah. they'll grow taller sometimes, Bill, which is, you know, to compete, but that's not always what you want either. And it's more of a stress signal than anything. And one spot I, I see this that's intriguing is in organic production. And I think there's some producers that really like organic and it fits certain guys' um, strategies and what they're trying to do. But that's one of the biggest struggle is is obviously weeds and weed control and how do you reduce weeds and keep them down in organic situations so you can kind of keep some of that yield reduction at bay. Yeah, and I think as we look at interseeding um, and some of those practices that are not quite organic but somewhere in between, um, what it, it comes down to timing, kind of like we've talked about here, is you're trying to get something in there as a cover crop early that's not doing as much competition so that you're really minimizing the amount of um, yield impact you're going to take by putting something out there. So that's usually why we're waiting a little bit longer, um, you know, as long as we can into the canopy before we do those types of practices. And you got to watch that you don't do it too late. And then the Cornex, like the shades out the cover too. So that's a, that's a hard timing to do. I think every year that's going to be a challenge. What about density, Matt, of weeds? Did it have anything in the study that said, you know, where where that crucial? Because some weeds are okay, you know, a few, but and obviously size matters. But what what kind of density did that show? Yeah, so I, I don't know if you guys remember that weed soft program um, we used to kind of mess around with. I love still going. Soft. That was the best. I I've called I for the last so. three years. Um, University of Nebraska houses that, and I've gotten to some. I don't know the guy that knows where it is and they still have it, but they said it's kind of just, it hasn't been updated for one and then they're not releasing it basically anymore. So um, yeah, that was actually, and I said, you know, even the old data was fine because it was something It just kind of made you feel a little bit more comfortable that, yeah, if I leave these few weeds, but the corn's V8 and they're really small, you know, it's not going to affect yield all that much. So, um, yeah. no, unfortunately it isn't, isn't available anymore. No, I, I looked it up just to see you too. And, and yeah, I didn't find anything, but, um, basically what I did find was, uh, 10 weeds per hundred square feet is generally what we see impacting yield. Um, that's when it kind of starts. So one per hundred, two per hundred, you know, anything less than that, you're probably not going to see much of a yield impact. But once you get to that 10, 10 and above, and really, if you think about it, What's a hundred square feet um, in a thirty-inch row cornfield? By ten square, you know, you're forty feet by about two rows. That's your. Yeah, we said it's about the size of your truck, maybe right. truck and a trailer. But you know, it's which is amazing to think about because often are in a field where you know you see a weed here and a weed over there, and you know you're not hitting that. 10 per 100 square feet, that's for sure. That's actually quite dense if you want to think about it on a full acre scale. Yeah, so so once you hit that point, then you're you're looking at potential yield impact. Um, and then obviously as you get above that, you know, you start to sit in that 20, 30, 40, 50 weeds in that 100 square feet, then you're definitely probably missing out on 
on some big yield there. So, um, I, I think too, it's good to mention that the type of weed makes a difference. So when you're talking about, um, Bill, you mentioned grasses before and, you know, grass can get kind of thick, kind of quick, um, really spreads out versus having something like a, a single dandelion in an area, you know, some spread faster, some take up a bigger area. You think of like burdock and hayfield, so they can become kind of a big deal because all of a sudden you're sitting there and you get this big honking plant shading out everything around it. So, um, I think that that's a important factor to consider too, when you're making those weed decisions of how much you want to leave is what type of weed are we looking at? Yeah. Size is a big part of this. I, we talked last two weeks about water hemp's and your giant ragweeds and all those really noxious ones. Um, but you're right, Matt, is there's other ones that kind of fall into that, that you're going to have to watch and how the speed of growth and how quick they can grow and just how you, how we, how we go after them. So what, what about when you think that some of them, you know, can look dead, but then they regrow or, you know, they're just half dead. Um, so then they could still maybe affect that yield somewhat too. Yeah. I think we've all seen that where you go out within the reentry interval of whatever you're spraying, you know, be it a day or two days, three days next week, and you see all these yellow weeds and you're like, all right, yeah, we're getting them. You know, they're starting to curl back and then a week or two goes by and it's like, oh, they didn't disappear. They're just greening up again. That That's awful. Now what do we do? No, that's uh, a bad feeling. <laughs> yeah. It's not good. So, yeah, and with Roundup not working quite as good as it used to and, and that kind of thing, it's, it's you know, you got to try something different. So, yeah, I think it's important to, to make sure you're scouting and, and getting around um, after those, those applications, not just figure, oh, I sprayed it, I'm good, I'm done. Um, so it's definitely a good thing to consider when you're, when you're doing your chemical that you want to get there and get it done. All right. So weeds are nothing to uh, sneeze at allergy pun intended. And so it's always good to, uh, to make sure you're keeping a good eye on your weeds and make sure whatever, uh, you try to do to minimize your weeds, you make sure you scout and keep track of it. So now we'll move into our spotlight for today. So today we're going to talk about Sony expanding smart agriculture solutions. Um, so we actually got to see some of this at a, the NAICC conference. We talked to a rep from Sony and um, they're looking to expand its smart egg solution ecosystem so they're looking at more programs that can be beneficial not only to farms but to um, consultants like us as well so um, and i think they've had some pretty interesting technology that we saw yeah they had some really neat new cameras systems that they're using i mean they've always had the sony cameras has always been just amazing and what they've done from that and wh- how much they've advanced that technology in you putting it on a drone and what they've done is pretty neat. Yeah, so they're they're moving into uh, imaging and artificial intelligence-based technology so they can do um, stand counts and that kind of stuff from drones 
and uh, really kind of doubling down on the drone side of things, moving forward into a drones made easy program that they're going to have that'll map uh, flight plan and collect data using their MSZ 2100G multispectral camera to get as accurate results as possible. The way it sounded too, Matt, the, the drones they'd use were still more of the DGI Phantom style drones, correct? And it was just, they're looking at it as far as the sensor goes. Yeah, they're, the sensor's more important that they can pretty much adapt to almost any platform. And we've seen that from other um, sensor groups too, like Sentara and yep. um, even DJI themselves has moved into the thermal camera market. So it's crazy to think how DJI started with no camera on it, how yep. they use the, you know, a GoPro and how big, you know, GoPro was using that. And now they just sort of said, nah, move aside GoPro. We got this. And then GoPro tries to put out their own drone and that thing totally bombs. So yeah, just quite interesting how this keeps evolving. Yeah. I think it's a great thing. Um, Like I said, for both farmers and us gives us some, some new tools in the toolbox to work with. And I know Jeff Polinsky, the retired colleague has always had a pretty big, uh, desire to have that stand count feature did you guys talk to them at naicc in uh, san antonio the progeny is that who you talked to or progeny was there they were that's a guy a grad student that kind of took his his software you know basically uh, he was a purdue grad student that took it from there and is running so progeny is more of a software and then sony was there separate but it was more of a European guy from, you know, Sony that they were just trying to get into this U S market. Did they say how long, like, would it speed up our stand counts? Do you think, I mean, more that was no, um, probably not be faster, just more stand. You know, now we take more three to five spots in the field, you know, and just try to use that. This would take, you know, thousands. And so it would be a good way to, to see, uh, what I liked it for uh, wasn't like a normal stand count is I bet you'd be faster and just as good. But if you had a field that was borderline replant, yeah. um, this technology was extremely helpful. Um, it just really showed with, with that kind of scenario where, okay, we just got to replant, you know, here it's at 18,000 on 50% of the field. Let's go replant that. And you could make a pretty easy prescription out of it to go back in the field and plant into it. I think too, they, um, the early season side of things that a lot of the early drone stuff, we didn't see as much value. Uh, this stuff has to be almost done like at, you know, V1, V2. If it gets too big, then it confuses the sensor. So it's really meant for that early season and that replant timing. So it's really perfect for that. Well, and if we're not going to do it, then we're not going to replant corn when it's V6, V7. We're going to do it right away. So we almost have right. to have that capable has to have that capability when that corn plant is small and i know a lot of the stuff you know our the stuff we have you got to let that corn get pretty tall before you can actually see it on on your camera so you got to be flying close to the ground i bet you with this too huh um no actually i don't think there was much of a limit on height you could fly pretty pretty high now with the 200 excuse me the 400 foot limit you know by faa 
that I think they wanted you more like at 200 or so, you know, a little lower, but not, it didn't have to be like 30 feet off the ground or anything. So yeah, lots of interesting stuff going on there with Sony. Looks like they're having a webinar. Yeah. So March 31st, more information to come. Let's move into our Ag History Minute. That banjo music rolling on down the road. But it was pretty fitting that March 25th, just a couple, just a day or two ago here, was Norman Borlaug's birthday. So Norman Borlaug was born in 1914. He passed away in 2009. He strived to end world hunger and was the father of the Green Revolution and concluded in a paper published in the year 2000. He said, I now say the, that the world has the technology that is either available or well advanced in the research pipeline to feed a population of 10 billion people. The more pertinent question today is, will farmers and ranchers be permitted to use this new technology? Yes. So I thought that pretty much sums up the the situation we're in. 10 billion, though, he says. That's a, that's a lot of billion. We're at, what, 7 billion right now? Yep, somewhere in that neighborhood, yeah, 7, 7.5. So that's pretty cool that he says we have the technology to to basically go that much bigger. Yeah, and he said that 20 years ago. True, that's too, yeah, in the year 2000. <laughs> yes. Year 2000. 7.8 yeah, wow. billion, says the Google machine, Todd. Okay, okay. Yeah, so we're getting there. But yeah, it. I think that is really the more pertinent question is not do we have the technology, but can we use it? And I think we've seen with the GMO debate and some of that stuff that that's still the question today, even 20 years later. Good. Thanks, Matt. If you like what you're hearing out there, everybody, please subscribe to our podcast. So use your favorite podcast player, either on a web browser or your iPhone or your Android phone or whatever you like to listen to. And please subscribe. So all the subscribers we get really helps. Also, if you like what you're hearing, please visit tilthag.com. There you'll find a Wisconsin crop consultant. If you are located in Wisconsin, if you're not located in Wisconsin, please go to naicc.org, which is the National Alliance of Independent Crop Consultants. And there you'll find a crop consultant in your area. Thanks, Todd. Also, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, uh, both Tilth Agronomy and Tilth Talk Radio. So at Tilth Talk Radio or at Tilth Ag. So now we're going to get into cool beans, and that's corny. Cool beans. So cool beans. Cool beans. All right, our cool beans for today. Young Wisconsin farmer returns from college to encourage nutrient management on the farm. Uh, So this talks about a young man named Eric Coddington. He's from Montello, Wisconsin. He went to Iowa, I think it was Iowa State University, and got his education there. Now he's returned to the farm, and he's learned a lot down there. He came back and was working on his dad to realize that putting all your fertilizer at once isn't the best way to go about things. You do do need to manage those nutrients, and you know plants need different amounts at different times. So, um. A lot of the things we we work on as agronomists here, and this guy's bringing it back to the home farm, so it's always good to see. It's all we've been doing for the last three months is writing nutrient management plans. So hopefully, hopefully this guy will learn uh, 
Maybe we can get him on as a guest someday. See how he's liking it. Yeah, no, I think it's always great when you've got that next generation not only interested in carrying on the farm, but um, willing to make changes and and realize that maybe um, there are different things you can do on the farm to get the same results. So, and then our that's corny for today. Um, obviously, with the glut of buying different supplies, not only toilet paper, but uh, food in general for these our nice little stays at home. Uh, meat prices are up, but cattle prices are down. Uh, there's some confusion in the market there as people are buying more and more meat products. The price is going up, but you can't sell your cattle for very much. And so uh, there's been a push for lawmakers. They suspect there's some price gouging going on in the markets and that these meat packing plants maybe aren't uh, sharing the wealth when it comes to the profits they're making on meat. The last three, there's people looking into that because yeah, what's going on with all this stuff and price gouging. And um, they looked at, what is it? Menards, right, Matt, for up in the cost of some products and stuff. So yeah, the more, the more now we can look at places that treated, you know, the customers fairly, the better. The last three times I've been in the store, the shelves have literally been empty for any kind of meat, chicken, beef, pork. It's crazy. So they're just flying through the stuff right now. And if they're, if the price isn't going up, obviously someone's making the money and it's not the farmer. Right. Yeah. It's, we got to share that, that, uh, share the wealth across the whole system. That's what makes the teamwork makes the dream work guys. That's what we need. So. Was there any toilet paper on the shelves, Bill, or not? No. Nope, still no toilet paper. How are you guys sitting on rolls? How, We're how, good. Where are you at, Bill, for rolls in the house? Case, right. case and a half. What about you, Matt? Yep. Yeah, we're we're sitting at uh, pretty good here. We got a package and a half or something like that, yeah. That's, I don't know, Matt. That's a little risky. I'm about that, too. I think we got like two packages. So uh, I don't know, anything under about 20 rolls, it feels like you're playing with fire a little bit. Uh, there, there's actually a website, uh, these guys, I think they were in the UK, started that uh, will, you can measure your TP supply, see how long it'll last you. So it gives you a calculation, you see how many times a day you went to the bathroom, uh, how many sheets you use per wipe and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, so it was kind of interesting. It's, it's kind of a gag, but at the same time, it is interesting to think about doing that math of how many... How much toilet paper do you really need to last a month or two weeks, whatever your, your How much toilet paper.com is the website. So <laughs> how much toilet paper.com. So yeah, if you if you're ha- sitting on uh, 20 cases of toilet paper, you probably got too much. You're good. You'll make it to to June, right? I think so. All right, let's get into you applied what? What did you do? All right, so today I'm going to try to trick you boys. So these products, all four, have one ingredient in common, but it's the ones that are mixtures that I want you to separate from the one that's just that ingredient. So one product is the single ingredient. The other three are mixtures, all right, that contain that same ingredient. Make sense? Yep. All right. So our products today are Drive, One Time, Q4, 
and Quincept. I'm going to say Q4 is a mixture. It is a mixture. Yes. But there are three of three of them three are mixtures. Of them are right, right, right. Yeah. I'm right. going to go. I'm just saying we got one of them. The so we got. Man, I don't know much about any of these, man. I'll be honest. I'll go with Drive is the single product. Oh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Oh, good job, Todd. That was I was leaning towards that too. Now I can say it that Todd answered it. <clears throat> so yeah, Drive is uh, plurac. Uh, so it's a weed. It's a grass, uh, crabgrass, and other grass killer. And then one time Q4 and Quincept are all combinations of dicamba, that product, and a couple of them have 2,4-D mixed in as well. So, yep, Drive is the one. So as always, make sure you're reading the label and you make sure you understand what you are spraying and make spraying in the right amount. Sometimes it can be confusing. All right, so I think we've got a, an outstanding in our field report for this week. So, Todd, you ready to ring up? Or? I, we, yeah, we won't be able to ring him up. We have to um, just, we'll get him on the pod here through the invite. So it won't be our normal phone ring. All right. So, yeah, that's that's how we'll have to bring him on with us being in, in, uh, in quarantine. He's doing okay. Well, in, in physical distancing. So who's, who is it, Matt? Who should we uh, send the invite to? So uh, we're going we're gonna to join in with uh, Seamus Spuds O'Houlihan. He's an Irish potato farmer. Oh, yeah, because last week was, that's a good idea, Bill, right? Because last week was uh, yeah. St. Paddy's Day, so. All right, we, didn't, I'll, we didn't get I'll, to have a St. Paddy's Day, so we might as well talk to somebody that no, maybe no. did. That that did, yeah. Here, I'll get the drum roll. All right, Seamus, <laughs> do I got you there? It looks like you're coming up on our feed here. I am here. How are you boys doing today? Yeah, doing okay. How about you? Oh, we're doing just fine over here in Ireland. Are you in the basement yeah. too, like the rest of us? <laughs> no, I'm sitting in the kitchen with my wife. Do you have six? Just oh, sipping you, you on grow, some coffee. Coffee, yeah. You grow potatoes or what do you grow? I grow rooster potatoes. What are uh, <laughs> what rooster potatoes? Roosters, that's just a variety of potato we grow here. One of the more popular of uh, the two. The other popular potato is Kerr's Pink. So between those two, they make up over 50% of the potatoes grown here in Ireland. Where do they go? Oh, are they, Where do you make them? What do you make out of them? Oh, we got a lot of chips get made over here. Uh, that'd be to you boys, French fries. We make fish and chips as a big dish over this way. They go and in vinegar. England as well. <laughs> fish, chips, vinegar, yeah. Yeah, you could make them all that way. Uh, we We grow quite a bit. Usually about, in the country, we get about 400,000 tons per year grown here in Ireland on about 9,000 hectares. That's a lot of potatoes. That's pretty cool. Are most of them um, resistant to the scab that would have, you know, basically created the potato famine? Yeah, we we don't see many issues with that anymore. I farm about 12 hectares and we... We haven't had any uh, any major issues. Every once in a while, you might get a little bit of something on the potatoes, but for the most part, we do fine here. Do you have to hand weed those, or do you have machines? Uh, we got machines. We can we can do get to uh, weed our potatoes for us. Twelve hectares—that's a lot to weed. 
by hand if you had to, I bet. I there'd be a lot to lot lot of time if we had to do it by hand, so Well be safe out there, Spuds. You know, this is a it's too bad St. Patty's Day had to come over a time where it was kind of the a weird time in March for both, you know, your area of the world and ours. Yeah, I, I it's been the, the deadest I've ever seen the place, you know. Usually so much music and laughter and drinking done out here, but it's been a bit a different world these last few days. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it seems like the last two weeks have been much different here, so. Good. All right, well, you boys take care. Hang in there. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you too. Well, yeah, that was good. Yeah. It was interesting to talk to somebody else. Always nice guys you find on here, man. It's good. Well, we wouldn't want to have on the ones that aren't so nice. <laughs> no, we wouldn't. Still wondering where you find these guys. Got a Rolodex in your office somewhere or what? Yeah. The internet's a big place, you know. You just got to look out and look for a topic you want to talk about and you can find somebody, so. Did you just Google Spuds O'Houlihan and you found it? <laughs> you betcha. Yep, that's it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I went on potatofarmersonly.com. <laughs> nice. <and>, uh, yep. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so. Matt, you should go to the howmuchtoiletpaper.com. I ran it for you. You got 18 days. Oh. So. Just saying. Does it ask well, well, living, just for him or his family? Stuff. That's the whole family. Yeah, whole family. So you type in your family? Members of household. Yeah, how, how many rolls did you put in? Because it's like 27 rolls. So. Oh, you're good then. I put 18. 27. Yeah. You got 27 days. You must A roll a day seems ridiculous. There's no way. Yeah, that seems a bit a high. Day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's four people, but my kids don't use that much toilet paper. No. No, it's also, it overestimates to me, like, four visits a day. If you're doing that and using that much toilet paper, that'd be a lot. So, yeah, I think you I think you got to dial it in a little bit better than what I did. Yeah, I would say so. So, all right. Well, I think that'll do it for us. So, thanks for being here, guys. You know, I, I realized we forgot to introduce ourselves. So, uh, as we're going out, uh, with me today was Todd Schomburg. Hey, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Schomburg. Hey, Matt. It's been good. In my basement here yeah. all by myself. And I'm Matt Brueger. We're all with Tilt Agronomy. We thank you for listening. Today we talked about the economic impact of weeds. Uh, in our egg air spotlight, we talked about Sony and some new technologies they're coming out with. Egg History Minute, we talked about Norman Borlaug, whose birthday was March 25th, and the part he's played in growing food for the whole world. Cool Beans, that's corny. We talked about a young Wisconsin farmer returning to practice nutrient management on his home farm and some confusing stuff going on in meat prices. So keep an eye out on the news there. And you applied what? We talked about some different chemicals and mixes and met Seamus Spuds O'Houlihan out there in Ireland, the Irish potato farmer. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And as always, happy farming.